What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Moderately Successful Podcast. We're trying to figure out how to live life on our own terms, both for ourselves, and we're also investigating when we have guests on, how they're doing it. Internal cast again today. I'm here with my co-host, Chris Chan, Austin Rogers. What's up, fellas? What's good? What up, what up? Got the coffee rolling. Got an energy drink in the room. Dusty, I don't know what is in his Stanley Cup. Could be anything. Water, oh, he nice. says. I don't hydrate them. <laughs> Chris, you just got back from Lollapalooza. What's up, dude? Dude, I actually haven't talked to both of you today at all. So this no. is gonna be good. This is gonna be like yeah, refresh. Yeah, highs and lows. Highs and lows. Give us the breakdown. Oh man, or the best moment and like maybe the worst moment. The worst moment. I'll go with the worst moment first. It was definitely like I was just telling you guys that you know you're just buzzed, get a little high, just because like weed's legal in Chicago. And then you see next to you, there's a 15-year-old snorting cocaine. That was definitely a low because I was just like, dang, I'm living it up. And then there's a 15-year-old. I don't know if I should be proud or ashamed or… <laughs> feeling a lot of things right now. Yeah, I feel a lot of things. <laughs> they start younger and younger these days. Yeah, they do. Um, highs. Uh, definitely just like the top performers of just like Red Hot Chili Peppers, Odessa, Kendrick. GID was dope. How long were these artists performing? Like an hour. Okay. Yeah, an hour each. Well, we left a little early with Kendrick and… Actually, all three of those days, we left a little early just because it's 400,000 people. It's a lot getting out of there. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Did you guys… Were you in a hotel near it so you could just walk to the… Oh, we were a 20-minute train right away. Oh, so you're we you were, were a ways. We were, we were like ways away. Ooh, That's kind of yeah. cool to take the train though. Yeah, it was kind of dope just because it's kind of like… You get to see like the actual life. Of like Chicago, not just in an Uber and then just having a conversation with your Uber driver. Cause then you hear like different people's like conversations of like, oh, where they're gonna go, where they're gonna eat, what they're gonna do for like the next day. It's pretty dope. What did each day look like for you? Like what time are you guys starting? What time are you guys finishing? Um, what was the Lollapalooza routine like? Yeah. The Lollapalooza, <laughs> well, for me, I slept in a bit because Jen had to do her makeup for an hour. So like we woke up at eight every day. Um, Fun fact, so like the Cubs game, mm. we went we went to the stadium Friday and we went to the ticket, like where you scan your ticket, and it kept on saying error, error. I was like, what the fuck? Like, what the hell is this? And then I look and the lady's like, you know, this is for Saturday, right? Not today. I was like, are you fucking And Jen's like, this is why you never let men do anything to plan. I was like, fuck, I'm an idiot. But if it was her, you wouldn't be able to say shit. Seriously. And then so we go to the ticket line. Thank God they were able to like get us tickets for that day. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So they were able to switch it and it was actually closer. Too. That's what's up. Um, I was going to say, yeah, because I saw you went to the game. Is it hard to get tickets? No, you just go. Ticketmaster easy. or MLB.com and just look up the team that you want. Yeah, I feel it's like a regular cool. exhibition game is not bad. Yeah. Playoffs is where it would be. Yeah. Ridiculous. yeah. Dude, the Braves though, they're nice this year. Is that who they were facing? The Chicago yeah. Braves were facing? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it was 8-8-8 eight, eight, eight zip. How was it sitting in the sun? Because I went to… <laughs> <laughs> no. I was so serious with that too. <laughs> How was the sun? I got <laughs> Did know. you get enough vitamin B? <laughs> No, because the I went to the, whoa. I just grabbed. <laughs> hey, just don't get too comfortable. Man. That's why we're not on camera today. No, I went to a baseball game in Phoenix. Yeah. Oh, that's and, rough. that's tough. Why well, I, I know, but I sat in the sun for maybe fifteen minutes because it was a spring game, so everything was open. You it's could different. literally go anywhere. Right. But we were in the shade. Lindsay and I went to to warm up in the sun. Ten minutes later, I was like, "No way!" And I, I can't even imagine doing that for an hour. I think this is that's different because it's like that Arizona heat. 
Yeah, like that dry heat really hits you. It but, is different though. Like sitting still for two to three hours in like the open yeah, sun. Mm-hmm, you definitely yeah. get hit different. Yeah. yeah. Like for me like… So for me like I'm that type of weird person where I'm just like… Oh, fuck it. I'm just accepting it. And so like I'm here chilling and then Jen's next to me with the fuck with her fan. And I had to like <laughs> buy two water bottles. And then so she put one on her back. One in between her thighs. And she's like… Dude, relax. It's fine. There's a slight breeze. And every single slight breeze, dude, was like, oh my god, that breeze is so nice. I'm like, I know. I know. Can you stop? Like, <laughs> she's Game's gonna, great, huh? She's going to hear this. It might divorce me. <laughs> bucket list. Uh, yeah, bucket list. Did you guys see the whole game? <laughs> no, we left at the seventh inning. Yeah. yeah I was seventh like, inning stretch. Yeah, I was just like, you know what? She's not having a great time. I'm just like, let's just fucking leave. Like, she's gonna keep complaining. And baseball's pretty slow too. I was gonna say, it was actually like quick though, because like what right. I like about now is that they have the pitch clock. Mm. The pitch clock just makes it so much faster. So it's like, say if nobody's on base, they have 15 seconds to pitch. Mm-hmm. That's legit. And if there's someone on base, you have 20 seconds. And I think if 20 to 30 seconds. And I think if there's two people on base, you can have 30 seconds. So it's like you get a pitch and then another pitch, then another pitch. So it actually makes it harder for teams to like actually play well, like as like hitters. That's good. Yeah. The game needed a tempo switch. Dude. And it was like the fifth inning and it was like an hour and a half in versus like that's what's up. Yeah. And I was like, damn, this is how does it how does it count against them if they go past the I guess just because it's like as like a hitter, I'm just thinking psychologically, like. No, I know, but like if is they if they go over the time, what's the penalty? Oh, the penalty is a so if it's if it's against the pitcher, it's a ball. Hmm. If it's against the batter, it's a strike. Oh, I like it. Yeah, hmm. yeah, I do like that. That would definitely yeah. be psychological. Yeah. So this was Friday. Friday, yeah. When did you guys get to Chicago? We got to Chicago one a.m. Thursday. Hmm. You guys sleep in that morning then? Yeah, we kind of did. Because… Um, I feel like you're excited first day. Yeah, we were excited first day. We didn't go as hard. We only saw two people really. Because um, the rest of the people like later in the day we didn't really care about. Like Billie Eilish. I'm like, eh. Carol G. Like I would like to see her because it's Latin music. But Jen doesn't know any Spanish. That's so what I would, like, I would da, 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 focus da, da, da. on the main ones. The big ones. Yeah. So and then what was nice is two of, like, two of my best friends were in town. Like just randomly. They're like, oh yeah, we're going to be in Chicago at the same time as you. Mm-hmm. So it's like we ended up hanging out with them. Went to their hotel like in the rooftop area. Yeah, that looked dope. That was sick. That like made me want to move there. Yeah. A little rooftop action. Yeah. Pay for a suite up there. Yeah. We probably had like the, one of the best burgers I've ever had. I'm sure you might have had it. I mean, I saw it. It looked yeah. gnarly with like egg on it and Dude. whatever else. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to go too crazy because my friend got egg with the bacon. And it, but it's like um, kind of like a pork belly. What was this restaurant? Oh, Ashaval. Okay. If it's Ashaval, A U space C H E V A L. So Ashaval, if you're hearing this, sponsor us. <laughs> is that your burgers? Send those burgers are. Is way. that German or what is that? I have no idea. I'm assuming French. Oh, French. <laughs> it might be. But like, they're so like intricate, like so detailed yeah. with it. Like, were with you, even were you high f- during this? No, I wish. <laughs> I wish. Each ingredient looked like on point though. Yeah, and like even the fries. Like together. if the fries are like too salty, they'll dump the fries out. And I was like, dude, <laughs> what are you doing? I want to take it. salt. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be bloated in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on vacation. Yeah, come on. 
So did you guys meet up with those people at the festival too? Or they, no, just, they were they wanted to get else. tickets, yeah. but it's like one so the ticket itself for four days was like four after tax and fees and all that was like four fifty each, which is not bad for four days. But for one day they were upcharging to two fifty a day. And I'm just like, that's that's pretty spendy. Yeah. Especially for like that day, it didn't really make sense. So did, were you factoring the Airbnb to your total expenses when you said nine hundred? No. No? Yeah. So basically, how, you guys you just are you talking about both tickets. Both tickets. Oh, okay. So like that's where like Jen and I we do a great job of like when we go to like festivals and stuff, um, is where like one person just gets the tickets, the other person gets the flights and the hotel, like and that. then we just kind of split from there. So it's like it kind of came out to like I she spent like two hundred dollars more, so I got the Ubers and I got some of the food, and then like the last day she got some of the food, and we just like matched it that way. She's like. Oh, like just Venmo me how much? I'm like, just I don't care. I'm not gonna fucking calculate everything. Just yeah. get food this day. Yeah, yeah. Both feel like you're doing your part. Yeah, that's why I think like that kind of side rant of that. I hate when couples like me personally. I hate when couples like keep tabs of like, oh, they owe me fifty bucks here, sixty bucks here, fifty bucks here, and then it's like they send them a request, and then they're gonna be spending on the same shit anyways with each other. Twenty dollars and fifty three cents. Yeah, it's like I don't get that. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think I don't know how the most important are. thing is just to like make an effort to buy things for the other person without expecting something in return. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because that's where like when we get like groceries and stuff. Like again, the side rant of this. Like when we get groceries, it's like I'll get it this week, you get yeah. it the next week. Me and Whitney kind of split it that way. Yeah. How are you and Lindsay do it? I mean, we don't live together, oh, so that's we true. don't really yeah. have to worry about groceries. Yeah. yeah, unless she's over, but. Like I like to make it a priority. Like if you're going to the grocery store, just please tell me. So like, let's save a trip. Yeah. If I'm going to the grocery store, I'm going to tell you every time. Or if I'm going somewhere that I know that is convenient for both of us. Yeah. I'm going to tell you and I'll just pick up what you need. Yeah. Makes it way easier. Oh, yeah. I think this is a great segue, guys. Because I wrote down some topics. Mm. First one of which is communication. Because mm. yeah. I think we've had, we've had conversations in the past. Obviously, we are all in relationships. It's big there. But I think it's big in the business entrepreneurial world. I think we've probably seen toxic communication styles in past jobs. Yeah. And if we're going to be in those leadership positions where, I mean, we, some of us are, it's like we should probably be dialed on the communication for sure. dynamic. Yeah. So what do you guys think is, let's, let's, let's go back in time with past jobs. You probably had bosses that you hated or, you know, you just didn't appreciate how they communicated. What are some of the typical pitfalls that you see in people's communication styles? I think it's the avoidance of the issues or the blaming of the issues and then the lack of accountability from a leadership perspective. Mm -hmm. That's the, the thing that drove me absolutely nuts the most. It's like I would have bosses that would speak poorly about their uh, employees and to be transparent, they were at fault for the lack of delegation or understanding of what that person's responsibilities were. Mm -hmm. And it's like, this all comes back to you mm -hmm. always. Every, t every time. Because it's like, who owns the business at that point? It's like, yeah, we can be like the little people, but or quote-unquote little people. We're helping out the business, but the main blame is going to be on who's the name of the business. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like a, a almost like a waterfall effect because it, do it doesn't matter even if it wasn't your fault as the leader. It's It always comes back um, to just how you carried out whatever whatever dynamic it was. So what? So going forward, I mean, what have you, have you learned from it? How are you developing your guys's leadership styles? Because whether we like it or not, I mean, if you're going to be in charge of something 
in people. Like you have to have a leadership style. And I don't know. This is this is a big topic for me just because my master's degree was athletic leadership. Yeah. And I've just been in different positions, whether it was sports or, I mean, even being an athletic director at one point in time, it's like leadership is always assumed just because you're in a managerial position, but people don't get down to the the people dynamic. That was the biggest thing we learned. It was like managers know how to manage operations where leaders know how to manage people. And so like, how are you guys developing that as you, you know, go throughout your entrepreneurial journeys? Like what do you, like just talk about that. Like Austin, like this is big because like directing, and I know you've done some things like you've sat down with us on a monthly basis. Was that because you never had that in past jobs or? I think it's important for everybody to feel connected or accounted for. I think people need to feel like they're valued. Or like, at least somebody's looking out for their best interests. Especially at Empire, I think everybody feels supported. Mm-hmm. I think Zach's biggest goal is to make sure that's the case as well. So like, everybody should feel like they have an opportunity to make their way. And like, they have just as much of an opportunity as every other trainer. Um, I think it's important to confront problems. Or if you notice characteristics in somebody, to try to understand them as a human. Like, why are you acting the way you're acting? Is it something that I'm doing? Do you not feel comfortable? Is it an issue with personalities? Is it an issue with the environment? Um, I think narrowing down the issues that each person has, coming to a resolution so they can be more forthright and have a better experience moving forward. Mm -hmm. Whether it's financial or it's just Mm -hmm. the experience itself. Yeah. I think that's like for me, like what I've noticed, what's so good about us here at Empire, like from you and Zach specifically, is that like just being, or like the feeling of of being valued. Um, that's something that I've never really got from my other, like say commercial gym jobs or even like just previous jobs here in Idaho. Mm-hmm. Or it's just like, you're just, you could be replaceable. Like you're just, if you leave, like we'll get another guy just like you. It's like, I mean like, yeah, like I'm sure, but it's also like, I worked my ass off here. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's how you're going to treat me? I think that's the yeah. difference. It's like, we're almost like drafted people. Yeah. And we're trying to mold people to become their best selves in this environment. Mm-hmm. Like, we invested in you. I want you, I want to see you thrive and succeed. It's not like, we're just not, we're not just bringing you on if you're not uh, creating a return to the business. We're just going to dump you to the wayside. Right. Like, we've had people that it's taken a long time to get established, but we have not just pushed them away. It's like, okay, how can we get you better? And if they show that they want to be better, then I'm going to keep investing in them and helping them get there. And, and you can see that from the people that have not had much of ex, much experience in the training world. They're starting to get busier and they're starting to gain confidence because they feel like Zach or myself or other people didn't give up on them. So like mm-hmm. they, they feel like people are, look, are looking out for them, even yeah. when it's difficult. It's a hard, this is a hard environment to have your first job as a trainer. It is tough. You're not, you're not give, given clients. You really got to work for it. Yeah. So it it shows some grit if you're able to follow through and establish like a decent clientele. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's almost like you're pushing the the entrepreneurial world. Almost. I mean, depending on what gym you're part of, if you're not getting handed clients, it's yeah. kind of on you Yeah. at that point. Do you think it's harder, and Chris, I'll ask this to you, because you've been almost like on a solo journey for a while since you've been, I mean, you've been hired by other gyms and whatnot, but mm-hmm. as a, a trainer in the space for so long, do you think it's harder to, to almost catch on to those leadership styles since it's kind of like, eh, it's a, it's a one-player sport here? 
I mean, definitely like when I first moved out here, it felt like that. Like it was just like, I was so solo that I was just like, it's just all me or nothing. Like I thought like the whole like all or none principle kind of deal. Like that's how I felt. But as I started to kind of like realize like, okay, sometimes you kind of do need some people around you to help bring you up. Because it was like a full on like mind fuck to me where did so well like how I said previously in other podcasts like did so well in Cali on my own and then having to start back fresh I just felt like worthless and then so it's like I definitely needed that help so it's like I'm not saying like the places that I that I was at prior were horrible because they definitely provided enough attention for me to like where I have a name for myself out here in the in the Treasure Valley so I think that's where Kind of like leadership skills. I was just from like other people specifically. Um, it just… Uh, man, I lost my train of thought here. But also like <laughs> to go back on that. Like that's why you are so successful is because yeah. you don't expect the handouts. You just… Yeah. You are your own business. Yeah. And you build your own business. And it's like I'm not expecting anybody to give me anything. I know that I have to work for this. And that that's a big part of the trainer world. Yeah. And I think a lot of people don't understand that initially. Yeah. At least in this lane. Yeah. If you want to go to Axiom, go to Axiom and, and get loaded up with clients. Get some experience. But if you want to make your own way at a place like Empire, it's going to take some grit and some hustle. It does. And I think that's where like everyone, all of us trainers at Empire like are realizing that now. It's like it does take time and a lot of grit. Patience. Yeah. It is a lot of patience. And I think… Matt, I'm sure you learned this in school about like patience and like how like it goes on with like leadership. With like, this is such a patient game. Like, it took me what, a little over a year to get seven loyal clients mm-hmm. from like going from like absolutely nobody to now it's like a good, like a good client load. But did you ever yeah. question that it would happen that way? Yeah, I definitely did. Really? Yeah. There was definitely like, there, I, I would say April of, Last year, I was definitely considering quitting training. Just because of like how bad… Because it just wasn't as fast as what you had been used to in in Cali? That… Not necessarily that. But it was more so just… Just like my environment that I was in. Like I I hated it. Mm. Like I'm not going to name the facility just because that's not my place. But I hated the environment. It was just not good. Like… Everybody was just shit talking each other. And that's why I love here so much because… I mean, look at us. Like us three here. Like we're really good friends. Like we met through Empire. And now we have a fucking podcast with each other. And that's important to go back with the the communication stuff too. Yeah. Like our gym is zero tolerance for drama or bullshit. If we have issues, we're going to confront the person on the issue and make sure it's resolved. Yeah. And if we hear that people are talking behind people's backs, we're going to resolve it. Yeah. Like we, we don't have time for it. We, we want to uplift people and make people feel welcome and feel good about themselves and positive. If you don't feel that way, I want you to talk to me about it. And I think that just shows the culture. And when you have that culture, everybody can win. When you have that toxic, toxic culture where people are shit talking and negative, everybody feels like they're fighting against each other. Yeah. And that's what honestly what it felt like. It was definitely like, uh, I'm here for myself. Go fuck yourself. Mm-hmm. That's exactly how it was. If someone got a client, everybody would have been like, why did I get that client? Like, why did you get that client? And I was just like, dude, really? Like, we're all here, like, trying to be better for each other. But then now it's like, there's no team. It's just like, we're a team, but we're not. 
versus us here now, it's like we're legit a team. For sure. Yeah. So how do you think you develop that? Because in a space such as ours, in any mm-hmm. entrepreneurial space, it, it is almost every man for himself. Yeah. At that point, because we all want to be full. And so there's, I, I, I mean, I get like you shouldn't have that mentality, but at the same time, it's like… You kind of have to. You kind of have to. Because yeah. there's like a, a, a competitiveness that is almost healthy. You know, like they say, I, I think it was the book Infinite Games by uh, Simon Sinek. And he talks about how Mac and PC have created this rivalry. But mm-hmm. the rivalry has been healthy. And you actually need rivals yeah. because the rivalry pushes you. So, I mean, like for you guys, honestly, you guys are way ahead of me in the training space as far as experience goes. But I do use that drive. So, if I see like when you get a client… It's not that… I mean, obviously, you have to fight that internal like jealousy, if you will. Yeah. But I think it's like, well, maybe I need to up my game. Yeah. And I want to go back to something you said earlier. You guys said this takes time. And yeah. I've, I've had to think about that because I'm eight months in now uh, into training and just the entrepreneurial journey. And I do think big things take time. But do you think sometimes when you say that, it's almost dangerous to give yourself that grace… So, and with that being said, the additional question would be, looking back on your journey, do you think there's things that you could have done, small things that you could have iterated over and over again to get you to this place faster? I think there's definitely… That's a great question. Um, kind of going off like the, like the question of like the patient thing. It's one thing that I wish I learned that is like the whole like cliche thing of closed mouths don't get fed. Like I wish I was able to talk to more people than I did. Even though I would say I did a decent job of it. But that's one thing where I had good connections because like Jen's aunt, she got me a job at the country club in the North End. Which is for those our listeners or it's a very, I guess, wealthy area. I was able to go there and kind of build up clientele there. So I have like three like long-term clients from just that facility. Um, but I wish I was able to go around businesses, talk to actually people versus I was like very standoffish. Because I was just like, I'm not familiar with this area. So I'm just going to shut the fuck up. Versus that's where I think we're just talking to people, just having just a normal conversation. And I don't know where they'll, they'll ask you like, oh, what do you do? I'm like, oh, I'm a personal trainer. Like that's something that I wish I did more of. Um, and another thing I wish I did was from like an earlier thing too is try not to bash people because we're all trainers here. There's, for example, like I went to a festival with 400,000 people. I kind of did the math on that. Like there's at least 1% of these people here that need a personal trainer or want a personal trainer. So it's like, but even that 1% from that 400,000 people, that's still a lot of fucking people. And we only really need like… There was a, a thing that Jonathan Goodman said um, where if you have 30 clients at $300 a month, that's 9K a month. And then that's six figures right there. So you only really need 30 people. So it's like, for example, about the whole like internal jealousy thing. Like, Sometimes even when I see like you or or like both of you guys get a client, I'm just like, oh, I wish I had another client too. Fuck. It's like, dang, how did he get this person as a consult? So it's like maybe that makes me want to step in my game of like posting either my clients more or posting my workouts yeah, more. Yeah, like a positive. A yeah, positive it's, a po- it's a positive way. Yeah, and I think that's where 
it, like I think I, I guess I matured from my own leadership is I'm doing it positively rather than negatively because in my younger years as a trainer, yeah. I would hate myself as a, like looking back now like it's embarrassing because all I yeah. used to do was just bash people, bash people like they don't saying, know what the fuck they're doing. Yeah, like, why are they uh, getting clients? <laughs> yeah, no, that's literally what I used yeah. to do. But now it's like foam rollers. <laughs> <laughs> This idiot. Fascia. What the fuck? <laughs> Can't smash it. <laughs> but I think that's huge. Like, yeah. when you know that there's enough for all of us, you actually get more opportunities. Yeah. Like, when you have this limited mindset, you don't get the, as many opportunities. When you know Seriously. there's plenty out there, you're going to attract it. Yeah. Because you expect it and you have the confidence to bring it in. Mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest thing for me. I don't, I don't chase clients. Yeah. I just get them. Because I'm open to it. And yeah. I'm confident. And I know that you're going to get something from me if you work with me. I have no doubt about it in my mind. I think that's the biggest shift for me. Like maybe four years ago. So I went from being the box gym trainer to like figuring it out. Do I know what I'm doing even? Like, but then you learn. Like you get the evidence. Like as Alex Hormozzi says. You, like, you stack the evidence by training these people. Making them better consistently. And then it's like I do know what I'm doing. I can help more people. You should work with me. It's not a question whether you should or not. You should work with me if you want to get better. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I, I have no doubt in my mind that this would be worth your while. Yeah. It's like, it's just easy that way. I, mean, I, don't, I don't feel like I'm reaching for anybody. I think that's too, like, with helping people, that's where I guess the patient game takes in a factor. Because people don't really see value till the three to six month mark. And once you're at that three to six month mark, then that's when the referral starts to kick in. Because it's like, yeah, I can get a referral from someone who's only worked with me for a month, but they didn't really see that much results. How important is it to establish that, like, those guidelines for your clients coming in? Like, hey, you got to give this, like, this amount of time to work with me yeah. before you expect results. Like, expect a certain level of consistency on yeah. your part. So that's where, like, what helps with, like, understanding adaptations of the human body, like, depending on the goal. Like say, for example, like as someone who wants to get stronger, who wants to get more muscle, I lay out in the first eight weeks, this is what is it's expected to happen. Then the next eight weeks, this is what's going to happen. Then the next eight weeks, then the next eight weeks. And I like to lay out the adaptations of what they're going to get because they're like, okay, like my body's going to change this way physiologically rather than just thinking, oh yeah, we're going to lose that 30 pounds. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Instead of just changing the numbers, I actually see how their body is going to change. That's at least that's for me, like how I'm going to, how I go about it. Cause like one of my clients who doesn't know anything, like she doesn't even know how to use a food scale. Like she was like, like how much, if I, when I weigh the food, do I have the food on the plate? Then I weigh it. I was like, no, you got to dial it back a lot more. But uh, I kind of like laid it out with her that way of like saying like in the first eight weeks, you're going to, this is what is expected. If you hit this ex- X amount of like calories a day, X amount of water, X amount of sleep you get. Etc. So just like do all those things on like kind of like going off our last podcast of like doing routines. Like that's how I like to go with my clients on the routine base. So like on like the, that Excel spreadsheet, if like they have their macros, they have their water, they have their sleep. How is the stress level? And then they write like a daily note thing of like how the day went. And then from there, I can see like, okay, like they're hitting their marks. They're hitting their marks. Then that's where like the changes are going to kick in. So that's how I like to go with long-term clients of like this this is a journey this isn't a marathon i mean this is a marathon this is not a sprint right 
I think like from a session basis, so like mm-hmm. in sessions, the easiest way for me to focus on it, on progress is like their technique, yeah. their range of motion. How has their squat evolved from when we started to where oh, it yeah. is now? Mm-hmm. How has their strength improved? Yeah. I'm like, I'm rarely ever talking about their body mm-hmm. or their composition. Yeah, It's like your movements patterns are getting way better. You're yeah. way more stable on your feet. Oh, yeah. You can move side to side. You have way more hip mobility now. Mm-hmm. Like you're way stronger. And then I don't even have to… We're not even focusing on the scale. Yeah. How are you evolving as an athlete in the gym? Yeah. If you're getting… Like, I want you to focus on that. If you focus on that, then you're going to be with me for a long time. If you focus on the other shit, you're going to get caught up and lose track of what we're doing this for. Exactly. Yeah. How have you done with that, Matt? Like, have have like you done like kind of like more of like… Kind of like looking at like how like a person changes or kind of looking at their movement base? Uh, I mean, it depends on the the person because I have some that are only strength like they they only get workout programs from me. There's no dietary component, mm-hmm. um, and so if it's not included, then we're not going to talk about it necessarily. I mean, I might throw out little you know nuggets like, "Hey, maybe try to do this or anything," but yeah. uh, then it's completely focused on the the workout program and how those improvement those adaptations are happening. So it's the same thing like Austin said. Maybe it's range of motion. Like, hey, look at your squat compared to you know a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, or just like putting some more weight on the bar because that happens in the first eight weeks with the neurological adaptations. It's like, man, you're already squatting more, or you're more in shape. I had a kid the other day, and it was like, we're three weeks in. And I was like, this gassed you the other day, and now you just did this and some more, and yeah, you're still feeling a little woozy, but you like. I've overcome that hump. And how important is that to like feed them those reminders? Like, because they don't really notice it for themselves. They don't notice it. Yeah. So I would say that's the biggest thing. But one thing that's been on my mind lately, going back to because you guys both had a few different, you had two different opinions on it. Austin, you've gotten to this point where you're very confident in your abilities, and you have this referral base. And then Chris, you kind of talked about how you know you wish you would have talked to more people because obviously going back to communication, it's like no one knows no one knows who you are until you tell them who you are. Yeah. I've had… I think I'm growing in confidence about what I'm doing. I do know I do know what I'm doing because I've had people tell me. But it's still that imposter syndrome that haunts all of us at some point. One point or another. So it's being the confident person. But at the same time, I am new to this entrepreneurial field. And it's like no one knows who I am. And so I do think… Yes, you do get to a point where you have people just referring in. But do you guys think that that's the same case? For example, you know, when you want to do this next this next venture with like the chapstick or maybe it's like lifestyle coaching where you get into the new, the new, new, right? Where no one does know who you are because now you are known in the Treasure Valley, Austin. It's like you are one of the sought after trainers. Chris, you are too. So it's like you have these people rolling in and maybe you get to that 10K a month, you know, where it's like you're comfortable. But we've talked before. I think it was like the second podcast where we said like, hey, like you might be looking at six figures or maybe seven. So at the next level, like do you guys think that there are things that you're going to have to do where it's because no one, people aren't just going to you know come in for your chapstick yeah. business. I think your love for it has to shine through. Like Definitely. the passion always has to be yeah. the, the thing that is propelling you forward. If that's not there, nobody's going to buy in ever. So for Chris to really make this a strong selling point, he's got to really promote the chapstick like he believes in it and he he thinks it's going to help people at these festivals and make a big difference. If he does that, he's going to get people to to invest. Yeah, exactly. And that's like one thing because it's like. I mean, I did see a lot of chap lips at the festival. <laughs> it was pretty good. You're gross, into lips dude. nowadays, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Jen's like, dude, well, you're not even checking out the girl. You're just checking out their lips. I'm like, yeah, because they're fucking dry. <laughs> <laughs> I need some electrolytes. Yeah. You see the problem and you're solving it. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I was literally like, okay, how many people can I give these chapsticks out Like to? that, and that yeah. would be huge, just going to a festival and giving out a bunch You're of samples. Out, yeah, honestly. Yeah, and I think that's like one thing where it is scary because it's a whole new venture. Mm-hmm. And like, just like, anything like when people go into a whole new business it's scary because it's like you have zero idea what you're doing like with this i have no clue like no help Mm -hmm. and that's where like i'm trying to seek out the help and so that's where like shout out jamie casilla like she's helped me out a ton with this because she's in this in the makeup industry i have zero idea of cosmetics i just know chanel number five that's it (laughs) that's all i know and then sephora and mac that's it I don't well, know. That's good. Like, know. she's totally in that lane. Yeah, she's yeah. totally in that lane. And I think that's where I'm like kind of going back to like this whole these between these two buildings, like with Empire and TNS. Like, we have so many connections no matter what, like with everybody and anything. So that's where, like, with Jamie, she's kind of helped me out with kind of talking to a guy and I'm still waiting for a text back. But, um, what's your, what's your research look on top of that look like? So, like, research wise, um, I just basically kind of look at like what other companies do in regards to like lotion because there are lotions with electrolytes. And then so that's like where I'm just kind of like looking at since I'm very science-based, I like to look up research articles and how electrolytes absorb through skin, whether it's through hands, whether it's through the lips or even feet. Um, So there is no chapstick at this point. There is none. Yeah. So I'm, I would be technically the first one. There was one like prior, but then there wasn't really any marketing behind it. Um, but that was like a deep dive, like I had to go through like seven different searches. But kind of like looking at research articles and looking at other lotions and how you basically can make a whole formulation. So it's like doing my own research now. Um, website isn't anywhere in the thought right now. It's just like, how can I formulate something? Finding somebody that can make it to the point where it's packageable and is not going to deteriorate and like exactly. break down. Yeah, so that's where this guy's really in like helping me out with is to kind of like make up a formulation and how we can just basically mold it all together, kind of to like a exactly like a lip balm feature. Yeah. What are the small things you think you're going to have to do on a daily basis? And the reason I say small is because I was listening to a presentation yesterday on how. The things that make you money are the the boring, tedious things. Oh, yeah. Like, like the big thing that's been on my mind lately, and and going back to our former conversation of this, like doing these things to get more clients in the, you know, in the now or like promote my company. It's like the cold calling, the email list, like these mm-hmm. these hundred DMs per day. It's like those are the things that the big companies are doing. They yeah. just have more people doing them, and those are the things that you know a lot of us aren't doing, and we're like, well, why isn't Nothing happening. Mm-hmm. So I would say that those are the small tasks that are boring, but they amplify your 100%. income. So yeah. what are the like? What's a small thing if you can think of one that you're going to have to overcome and do on a regular basis to bring this to fruition? I think right now would just be at least right now is just the finance aspect because it's like I do have people like on my own that I know would help market this out who can do the email list for me. But it's just the finance because it's a buddy of mine down in Orange County. and But like, it's a pretty penny. It's like, it's a lot of money. Um, and how do you like get investments? Or like, are you trying to get, like, are people that are considering investing people that want a stake in this company? This is solely me. Yeah. Solely me. Yeah. So that's where like, 
the whole finance side. That's that's like my whole back end right now is thinking of trying like, to find ways to get that for yourself. Correct. Yeah, because yeah. then it's going to be to do all the manufacturing, and then the next finance would be for the email list and how I can get that started. Because like I can easily make an Instagram and then like do portrait mode or like whatever. Like I mean, I'm making it sound like it's so fucking easy to do pictures, but no. it's like just to start out, it would be pretty simple. And you probably are going to want a team to an extent. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then that's where like I would definitely go with. Um, my buddy down in SoCal, his name's Alex. Kind of looks like me too. Um, I would go with him just because, like, he's the photographer for three DJs that are huge in the house scene. Yeah. So that's like for if I could get in touch with him, like that'd be fantastic. Get DJs putting it on. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Put it in there. Yeah. Like I don't know if you heard of John Summit or. Mm-mm. Yeah, so he's one of like the top like house DJs right now, but like he does like some photography and videography for him. Yeah, so like that'd be like a, I mean, it's just like I have the connections. It's just now the like how you're saying the back end stuff, just straight finances. Find a way to take advantage of those opportunities. Exactly. Yeah, and I think kind of going off that communication thing is where I think a lot of people mess up on is they like to burn bridges for no reason. Where you never know who you can get help from. Because you just never know. That's where it's always good to like put a smile on your face. Never be a dick. Like yeah, we have our bad days. But it's also like we got to show that like we're genuine. And we want to actually like be around people. Because that's where… Um, there was like three, three of my clients now. Like they followed me like a while back. And they would just say like, oh yeah, like I'm interested in training. This was like… Two years ago. Okay, like, are you actually going to do it? Are you actually going to do it or not? But then, so it's like, we would just keep in touch periodically. Yeah. And then I don't know where their clients now. Yeah. So I think not that's Not forcing where, it. Just yeah. letting it… Like, let them naturally yeah. and organically follow through mm-hmm. with it. And that's from a client side. But I think from just a regular, like, having connections is just to always, like, try to keep in touch with people. Because if, like, if you lose touch with people and just say, fuck it, I'm just going to unfollow you, just unfollow you, just being petty. Yeah. That just shows immaturity. Because it's like you never know what that person can help you out with. There's… I don't know if you guys know who Jesse Itzler is. So yeah. He's been on Rogan. He lived with… He had David Goggins. I was going to say. For I think 30 he has days. a book, right? Yeah. So he's kind of the guy that brought David Goggins to the scene. Mm-hmm. So David Goggins lived with him for 30 days. And he went everywhere with him. And kind of put him through the gauntlet. And was like, hey, I want you to make me better. And like force me into an environment where I can excel and grow. The guy owns the Atlanta Hawks. He is a former rapper, has billions of dollars. His wife owns Spanx. So, um, super successful guy. He also did 30 Days as a Monk at one point. And like, he's open to experimentation and to growing. Um, but where I'm going with this, um, he talks about what were you just, what were you just talking about? Just talking about like never like burning bridges. So he talks about, so like, I think every Christmas or like, he will send out mass texts to people saying, hey, I hope you're doing well. Merry Christmas. And like he makes it a priority to reach out to people. Yeah. And just keep in touch and like make sure everybody feels like they're accounted for. And like, mm-hmm. that he's grateful for them. Because you never know when you're going to need somebody. You don't want just somebody coming out of the blue and be like, hey, I need you. It's like, no, I've established this connection with you and I've maintained this connection with you. So like if I ask you for something, it feels worthwhile for me to do so. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I think that's a great a great point that most people aren't doing. It's like, oh, I'm doing my own thing. They're doing their own thing. But people appreciate when you reach out. 
They always do. Always. It doesn't yeah. have to be much. No, it doesn't. Is there just a simple like like happy birthday? It Merry makes Christmas, a difference. People take note of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I know I know I do and I don't care. I don't care. Like my birthday is a is a wash to me. I could yeah. care less. But when people reach out to me, it's like even though I don't care about it, I appreciate that you care about it. Yeah. Yeah. I used to be like that 22-year-old like you didn't say fucking happy birthday. <laughs> Definitely Fuck not saying you, happy man. birthday next year. <laughs> Fuck you. So then you would hold it against them? Dude, yeah. Oh. But I used to be so petty when I was 22. And I think that's the thing too. It's like letting people do their thing and then not holding it against them. Because I want to be good. Yeah. So like you'll notice that I'm going to keep being good to you even if you're not good to me. Mm-hmm. And you'll come around and be like, that guy's a good guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's the thing too is where we sometimes forget that like we need to have that communication. Do. We always do. Like, Matt, I don't know if you've had like instances where it's like you have to keep in touch with somebody just in, just for the hell of it. Like, have you had that instance before? Uh, I mean, like there's definitely… I, I think I struggle with it more than anything because it's not that I… It's not that I am petty or anything. I think it's part of the tunnel just, vision too. I think you're just… Yeah. You're on your own path. Yeah. But I get to that place too. Especially with people. I think this is where we take it for granted. Myself is what who I'm talking about obviously. But… You know that if you ever saw that person, you could just pick up right where you left yeah. off. And so you, oh, yeah. you almost just like, oh, well, I'll see him at some point yeah. at a wedding. Sure. Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, randomly, you know, if I am in their their neck of the woods, so right. to speak. Yeah. But I definitely am not the greatest at always reaching out. But I mean, like to your point, Austin, like honestly, that hit enough for me. It was mm-hmm. kind of like you never you never know. And and I I think not to oppose it, but I don't think you should be afraid of reaching out to someone if you do need help, even if you haven't been in contact. I think that that's… You shouldn't be scared of just like… Because no. they could say no, but it's like you need to get over that hump. Right. Yeah. Because there is going to be people you didn't reach out to. You're like, hey, like I, sure. I need help with something. But I think it does come off as more genuine if, if you've kept in touch in some way. And even… You said birthday, Chris, or you know, Christmas is what Jesse Itzler did. But I think if it's random, it's even more meaningful. And I think that is that was part of his thing too. Is like it's continuous. It's not just like holidays, but he does reach out pretty like consistently to a lot of people. And it doesn't take that much. No, it's easy, it's simple especially times. nowadays. And I think I think he like writes letters to people. Like he'll take time to actually write letters to yeah. people. And like that takes thought and effort and care. And it's amazing how far that goes. So there's a book by Robert Cialdini called Influence. And it just talks about psychology of sales. And the… I don't know if this is still intact, the record or whatnot. But there's a famous car salesman. And he sent out multiple thousands of cards, obviously, because he sold so many cars. Mm -hmm. But he would send out these little cards to his customers a few times a year. And it just said, I like you. And I mean, it just goes to show that that… Simple psychological trick. Yeah. Whether you meant it or not, it just comes yeah. off as genuine. It hits notes in people. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. It's, it's crazy how that so stuff like, works. How does that factor into the communication side of things too? It's like the connection. Like being vulnerable enough to be like so caring for another person. I think sometimes I get caught up in like this place where I'm like insecure. And then like I don't feel confident giving somebody else attention. Right. So how do you get to a place where you can just give the attention without expecting things in return? I think it, like that's where I was going to say like earlier because uh, I lost my train of thought again. ADHD. <laughs> um, that where people forget that we all have lives. Like we're all busy doing our own thing. Like you're doing whatever. You're doing whatever. I'm doing whatever. But it's just a matter of like… Okay like it's a simple text. It's like I get it. It's a two-way street of some things. 
But it's like if you texting someone like, hey, like, hope you're doing well. Or hey, like, would you mind helping me out with something? That's like how you're saying it's easy. It's like they could say no. But as long as you… At least you say you tried. Where are you at with being the person that gets reached out to for something? I sometimes have a hard time… Like again, I'm in my own lane. I have a certain amount of energy to give. Mm-hmm. And like I gave it throughout the day. Yeah. And then for you to reach out and ask me to do something… Sometimes it's like an extra task. And it feels like yeah. weight. Yeah. So how do you… How are you on the other side of things when somebody reaches out to you for a need? I mean what comes to my mind… I was actually… I had this thought the other yeah. day. It's it's almost like because I I struggle with this I'm I'm a yes man sometimes because mm-hmm. I like to be friendly you know it's like the I'm just a people people pleaser and it's it's yeah. definitely not always a great trait it's great for friends but it's the genuineness and the authenticity if someone asks you for help to be honest with them of whether or not you can help and so I think you have to be honest because if you do have tunnel vision if you don't have time for someone I think like hey I can supply you with this but that's all I got for now. But if you do say yes to helping them, well, I think you should follow through. I think you have to go above yeah. and beyond at that point. And Definitely. I agree. And I think we deal with that in our world with certain people and certain things. It's like, I don't care if you can't do it, but just tell me you can't do it. So I'm not thinking that you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, I would rather you save me the time and then it just becomes more of an aggravation because right. you promised me something and then you're not doing yeah, it. Exactly. I think that's where like I've had so many ask holes before. <laughs> I don't know if you guys heard that term before. First time here. It's basically that where it's be like… The, that should be the quote of the podcast. That definitely yeah. is. Ask, don't, don't be an asshole. Not a spelling error. Yeah. Um, it's basically like when someone's like, Hey, like, can you give me some fitness tips or whatever? And it's like kind of like you had going off of what you said. It's like if I actually go all out to help you out, but you're not going to do a single thing. It's like… And that… I no longer will respond to those people. I, I always… So if anybody's going to continue… This actually helped me gain a client. So yeah. like… I had a client reach out or that used to be somebody that would just DM me on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I would answer initially like some brief questions, but I would lead him into like, hey, I do this for a living. My time is valuable. I can give you this information, but in order for me to do so, you need to value me just as much and you need to pay me. Yeah. And it got to the point where… You said that? Yeah, I said that and he became a once a week client. And now he's doing online programming with me. Yeah. So it's like, I know my value and where mm-hmm. my time lies. This is my profession. Yeah. This is what I do. So like if you're just a friend, ask me for some tips. That's fine. But even friends. I've had friends like, hey, can you write me a program? Like, no, I can't. Are you going to pay me? Yeah. Because I won't just do it for free. This yeah. is what I do. I'm sorry. Yeah. I've done that so many times too where I'm just like, I, this is my job. Like, yeah. I'm not going to do it for free. Respect it. Yeah. Yeah. But even if you do, going back to what we were saying. Because I, I mean, I'm taking on some people again, trying to grow it and trying to throw out value out there and to show people. Uh, this is coming from Alex Hormozzi. He posted this the other day. It was like, to get your first five clients, reach out. He, he basically was going into cold calls and DMs. Like, you have to get clients because you probably suck at the thing you are going to get into, right? Yeah. I think this goes into business huge. He said, you're going to do it for free and you will get, you know, five people to to take it on for free. He's like, well, you got you to actually put like forth the effort even though it's a free thing. Mm-hmm. And initially, you absolutely should do that. Yeah. Until you're fully established… I think giving the free value is totally worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when you get to a point where you, you don't necessarily need the client, right. but yeah. like you value the client, then that's when you can start creating your price point. But right. initially, like, I was giving people stuff for free consistently as well. And I think you have to do that to get any form of credibility. Mm-hmm. It's like you have to do the work 
and kind of give away some stuff and, and let people know who you are and how you operate mm-hmm. first. Yeah. It's tough. I mean, that's what I'm doing with the hybrid training right now because it is a new field for me. I mean, I could, I feel like I could do general fitness all day. Yeah. But it's like for the hybrid training, it does take, it's just experimentation. It's more, it's more specific. It's research, try it out on someone, see how it works for them. And uh, it is hard to be motivated sometimes. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, they're not paying me. Oh, maybe I could reach out to someone else. But it's like, no, just do it. And that it. totally will fall, like it will provide a giant return for you. And I think like if, if you do like some form of free program at some point, and maybe just do that for the first, I don't know, 30 days. Like do a free month of programming and just send it out and try to get so many people to do it. And then be like, okay, if you enjoy this and you want to continue, this is what the cost will be for the, the following months moving forward on a subscription mm-hmm. basis yeah. or however you want to do it. Yeah. I think, but you got to get it out there first. And I think that's the best way to do it is to do it for free. Well, that's what I mean. That's what I'm doing right now is so I've seen a lot of things on social media and maybe this will take off. Maybe it won't, but I see a lot of people put programs out there, but it's always like the basic programs like mm-hmm. three sets of 10 bench press, three sets of 10 flies you know like yeah. it's very basic programs which for the beginner awesome um but i think even beginners need something a little more structured and i've never seen a page devoted other than like the crossfit website when it was first up and running and they were putting up wads every day yeah. i think they still do but i've never seen a social media page is committed to a whole program to where if they actually got on your page it was like a, a periodized program yeah. so what i'm doing for the next 12 weeks is because i have that spartan coming up Obviously, I'm writing for myself. I'm writing for a few other people, mm-hmm. but I'm just I'm throwing them all up. So I'm literally filming everything. I am I made the ebook. The ebook's up and running, so people can download it week by week. I'm not just throwing it out there to them. They will get like weekly updates. But I'm doing the whole structure on my Instagram, yeah. and I'm just gonna run that for every event for the next. We're gonna try it for like the next year. And almost like creating a spot cap. Yeah, like ten spots. Mm-hmm. And like you guys get to join this with me and like get the full experience, and then. Hopefully, they get some results out of it. Maybe tracking their their times or their performance in the gym and whatever else. Right. Then you have actual data to be like… To promote as… Um, what do you call it? Client testimonials or whatever yeah, else. Yeah. 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 Well, at this point, I mean, it's open. It's going to be open to anyone. It should… I think the first video will be coming out tomorrow. Oh, cool. So, okay. they can run it. They literally can do what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Because the program is only half the battle. I mean, it's like… Yeah. Right. There's so many… And you would know this life… It, it's the lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It's like, what are you doing to back it up? Yeah. And I mean, you can write, you know, the acronyms for these exercises. And if 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 it's a trainer, cool, like yeah. they can run it, they can see if it works for them. But if it's just a beginner, they're not going to yeah. know. And that's the hardest thing because most people are not this deep into this. So it's like no. we are the one percent. Yeah, I think so. It's hard to get people to jump right into something so established that we have thought so deeply into. Yeah, it's like they have to they have to really start very basic. I and that doesn't always feel like it. I don't know. That's always a challenge too. Because yeah. even like for like some of my clients, it's when they first start out, it's like, I want to write this, 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 and this. But it's like, okay, we need to simplify it so much more. Mm-hmm. So maybe I like this really cool exercise that Kim Kardashian's doing. And it's like, yeah. no, just follow the basics. Yeah, I have some clients like that <laughs> right now, dude. Like I have, I have girls sending me exercises all the time. Like, we should try this. I'm like, no. (laughs) But literally, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (sighs) Comes down to the small things. (laughs) Okay, let me. Okay, so we highlighted this earlier. Talking about tunnel vision, reaching out to people, a little bit of balance. Sorry, I wasn't trying to ignore you guys. Lynn's called me, so I had to send her a picture. Like in the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. What are your thoughts on 
hustle culture because it's pretty big uh-huh. on social media uh-huh. nowadays. Put your head down. Get ahead of everybody. Almost like a, a, a fuck you once I get there. But I want to go into two sides of it because I think there's pros and cons to it. So what are some pros to having that mindset and what are some cons? Because I think our podcast, Moderate Success, is, is in, you know, work-life balance. Right. Even though that's, it's not a balance. There are a lot… You can live life on your own terms without being a billionaire. Yeah. Pros, dopamine, momentum, progress, um, organization. You're establishing yourself. Um, you're chasing. You're pursuing. You're forthright. You have… I think there's just a different flow to your life when you are forward focused. But I think it's finding your limits mm-hmm. and like knowing that if I'm going to train at 6 a.m. in the morning, I don't want to be training at 6 p.m. at night. So it's like finding the structure within the hustle culture and like finding the limits within the hustle, the hustle culture, yeah. like knowing your boundaries because you can only give so much and then you have to pour back into yourself. Right. I think that's where like some, for some people it's tough to kind of find that balance because it's like we all were single before. Like we could do whatever and whatever. So like for me, I was willing to do that 6 a.m. to 8 p.m. every day yeah. because I had no responsibilities. But obviously now it's a whole different side. So I think it really depends on where you're at in life and what are your priorities. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, like I we technically are entrepreneurs like within empire. So it's like, yeah, like my priority is that, but I'm also trying to provide for my wife and now my two dogs. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where I think it really matters, I guess, where you're at in life. Um, Because for example, like if I was 22 again, I'm able to work 15 hour days and then be able to get back up because I have the energy for it. Yeah. And then do it again, then do it again. But now it's like, as I'm getting older, I'm like, okay, I'm kind of like my, Downtime. For sure. Yeah. Um, Both of us or all three of us are all the same. I think what was actually very helpful was when we went to the um, inner circle event. Mm -hmm. So it's like we need to make sure that we're checking off every box. Mm -hmm. So it's like we're checking off our emotional box. Mm -hmm. We're checking off our financial box. We're checking off our… I don't, I don't know what the other categories were. Physical, financial. Physical, financial, sexual. Yeah. Every box needs to be covered and filled. And it's each one is just as important. Mm-hmm. Relationships. Like you cannot go fully in just one space because you will feel you'll you'll feel a neglect elsewhere. Or you'll you'll feel like yeah. a, you're missing out on something. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's I think you just you you have I think creating those guidelines and then creating the balance that way is the best way to keep keep the grind and keep the forward momentum, yeah. but also feel like you're not burning yourself out. Yeah. I was gonna say you gotta be able to turn off. I think paradoxically, one of the cons is, and this is one of my pet peeves, including when I do it, because I think we all do it at some point, is everybody, when you ask them how they are, they always say busy because everybody has to be busy nowadays. Yeah. And there are some people that are insanely busy. Yeah. I'm probably not one of them, but I do do feel like I work a lot. But what it comes down to is it's like, I don't think you're busy. I think you're just terrible at… Scheduling an organization. Yeah. That's exactly how I would say it too. Because it's like I hate when people are like, oh, I'm a psycho for having… I'm not going to name his name. I'm a psycho for having five energy drinks. No, you're a fucking idiot for not sleeping. That's your issue. 
I'm not naming his name. He's going to watch his podcast. He's going to record it. He's going to do whatever with it. I'm adding him. He was a client of mine. He's not anymore for this specific reason. But yeah. Jeez. You really did come back with… I came back with a vengeance. He's going to hate me for it, but… But it's… Facts over feelings for him. <laughs> but uh, but I think that's where it's like kind of how you're saying like we need to find that balance because it's like if you can bite more than you chew, it's like you're going to drive yourself insane. Yeah. And you're going to be like worn out for what? Because it's like Jen and I we were just talking about that like on our flight back from uh, Chicago. It's like at what point are you going to be like is everybody just going to know you just because of how hard you worked? Or just like you actually were a good person? Yeah. Then the best people don't actually work the hardest. They work the most efficient. Yeah. I think that's the one thing I really want to focus on is efficiency. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm not the most efficient person right now. And I like, I think that's what separates the best people from like the people that are just grinding and deteriorating. Yeah. Cause I mean, I'm the same way. It's like sometimes I think I was, I was telling one of you this the other day. I struggle with going to bed because it'll be like seven. And I should, if I didn't get everything done, I should just be like, Hey, I didn't get it done. Shut off. Mm -hmm. Like literally shut off. And either spend time with just myself reading, kind of just, you know, relaxing. Or if it's with Lindsay or whoever. But I, I'll be like, oh, maybe I can get something done. And then you you just procrastinate for a while. And then you yeah. get like, you basically get this shit work done. Yep. And then you go to bed at 11, 12, 1. And then you just start this process all over again. Yeah, exactly. I think I've, I've worked with people that have daily planners. Mm-hmm. Like printed out daily planners. It's like… At 6 o'clock, I have my first client. At 7 o'clock, I'm eating. And then I have a meeting at so-and-so time. Everything in their day is like, my bedtime is at 8. Everything is pinpointed. And I follow this to a T. And I think, for me, that would be super beneficial if I just literally laid out my day and I knew on the hour what I'm doing. Yeah. Because I, like, again, I want to take on more. But I have a cap because I'm a little bit unorganized. Yeah. So if I structured it to where I know what I'm doing from 4 a.m. until… 10 p.m. or whatever it is, then I'm like, I will be at ease. Because I think the biggest part of my battle is that I hold on to things in my brain. Mm-hmm. Everything that I'm I'm dealing with is locked up here. Yeah. And like I deal with it that way. Yeah. And I hold on to it, which is I think why I maintain like this depletion of energy consistently. Yeah. I think I'm I feel the same way too, even though like I write stuff down occasionally. But like I think that's where like I would like to have that planner because I'm like okay like I actually have to get this done within this hour or else the rest of my day is fucked. So it's like for example like I want to get clients programs done with like a say like a 8 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. I'm not going to do anything else for those four hours just that. And then from then on I can do whatever the hell I want. It's just like once you start and you get going it's like okay I did it and then I feel so much better Mm -hmm. because it's done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you can enjoy things. Yeah, stop pushing it off. And I, I tend to push shit off. Mm-hmm. And then like when you do have the moments of… Say it's with a significant other or right. family. And then I'm thinking about that thing. And then… It's, yeah. And no, then they're like… Seriously. Why, they're like, yeah. why can't you have fun? I mean, I do that all the time. I'm stressed. I like, I didn't do it. <laughs> I'm so stressed right now. Oh. Actually… Okay, so… Next Screamo song. I'm stressed. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Someone's going to dub that in TikTok or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but one thing… I think it was Jerry Seinfeld who did this. When he wrote content, he basically would put in, I don't know if he has Google calendars or whatever space he allotted for creating his content. Mm -hmm. And he might procrastinate and not do it, but what he did is he couldn't do anything else. So if he's sitting to write, 
he could not write, but he could he told himself he couldn't do anything else. So he could sit there for five hours. And eventually, if you do that, it's like something's going to come out. That's yeah. I think that's part of our problem too is we have a million distractions. Mm-hmm. It's like I just, so many. just focus on the thing, get it done, and that that is it. It's yeah. like I'll sit down and do something and be like, check my phone, like something will happen, or like I'll just go on a different venture. Yeah, completely rather than just like it's hard to I stay think focused that's the, on the best task. way to do it. And like you talked about the Alex Ramosi, like the stopwatch thing too. Mm-hmm. And like it's very it it's very. Oh man, when I do it, I just feel terrible. I tried it today and I was like 13 minutes of work for an hour. I was like, <laughs> that just that puts it in perspective though. Yeah. And I think that's where like also environment really matters where you're getting your work done. Because just for me, like there's absolutely no way I can get work done at home. Same. There's no way. No shot. Like there's so many distractions just at home. Like I can eat. I can be on my phone. And just like thinking of just being at home, like when I'm home, I want to be home. So I think that's where like it's so great having like a space here where we can do work or we have like offices next door or like having some sort of office space really helps or even a coffee shop. And kind of going in that communication thing, like if people see us at a coffee shop, that opens up a line of communication to chat with whoever. So it's like, at least for me, going to a coffee shop is really helpful. I think this is all part of the growth too. If you're not feeling uncomfortable in some way, you're probably not pushing yourself hard enough. Yeah. So I think that's another positive of the health, like the hustle culture. Yeah. If you feel uncomfortable or challenged right now, you're probably doing something right. 100%. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. if like, if you're not uncomfortable or like you feel like, if you don't feel stressed at all, then you clearly don't want it. And it doesn't mean you shouldn't find that like way to de-stress and like get that shit right, which is why we're having these conversations in the first place. Right. It's like, because I, I do, I, I know I'm capable of more and I want to do more. But my lack of efficiency and organization is what's holding me back right now. Because mm-hmm. I can, I know I can still have my social life and my home life while doing all of these things. Mm-hmm. But it's being sacrificed at home because I'm thinking about the things that I'm not taking care of. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm doing a lot, but I'm still not taking care of some things. Yeah. Yeah, and that impacts other people. I mean, it does. Like I, I'm sure you. Oh yeah. I'm sure you know. <laughs> oh yeah. Perfect. Okay. Don't worry, I'm going to the big book of ideas. Do you guys want to have… Do you guys want to have employees one day? Or are you thinking more solopreneur stuff? I think… That's a a good question. Yeah. I think for me, it's like… Especially because since I want to open up my own gym down the road, I wouldn't necessarily call it employees. Technically, yes. Technically, no. Because I would like to have it where it's like… Where they're 1099. They're 1099. Yeah. They're trainers that want just a space where they can train their clients. They would just pay me rent. So I think technically that, employees, yeah. technically no. I like that structure. Yeah. Cause it's like that's one thing I noticed in Idaho. Cause it's like all the like the private gyms I've worked at, they were all just 1099. Mm-hmm. You just paid rent and just went on about your business. There's no marketing behind it. It was all you. That's like for me, like I have no issue with my own marketing because I did it all myself for four years. So that's where it's a uh, I would I would like to do something like that in Idaho because I've heard some gyms like that I've worked at that are like oh yeah we tr- tried doing that but it didn't work out it's like yeah because you just probably didn't know how to write a good business model and you didn't like you didn't have the draw or you weren't established yourself to the point where you could do that's, that that's where I'm curious too because it's like I wish I could go back to those gyms and ask them those questions like with what I know now but I mean I don't really. I like yeah. that because it's it's like again it's 
you don't have to like you're investing in people, but not really. Like you don't have to give them much energy or attention. It's like, yeah. hey, I have the space. Do you want to use it? Yeah. Pay me five hundred or a thousand bucks a month to use your space yeah. and you can charge whatever you want. Yeah. And and that's so, like for like what I used to do with like or what I used to what I do with contracts now with clients is would be the exact same with these trainers. Yeah. Where cause that's what I did with all the other gyms I worked at. I signed a year lease. Yeah. And it's like no matter what, I had to pay rent. No matter what. So you wouldn't want wouldn't want to establish like the Christian gym with the Christian training method or like create a train, like create the template for trainers underneath you to like, like establish themselves and give them a foundation. So there's two ways to do this. Like the employee route where they're like underneath you and they're almost like shadowing you and they're becoming Mm -hmm. good trainers and you're teaching them while they're um, giving you a commission of their sessions. Mm -hmm. Versus the, the rent space. So you'd prefer the rent over the… I definitely prefer one. the rent just because it's like… I like it when trainers have the ability to say they did it on their own. Because that's how like for me like… As much as like I've gotten help from Empire. But also like I was able to do a good chunk of it on my own. Like granted I do train Zach. And he gave me like a good amount of clients. But it was my talent and skills that he liked. And so obviously he referred. So that's what helped. But… I like it when trainers are able to kind of say like, hey, like I'm able to like grow this. Like, yeah, like I would be investing in these trainers because they're at my facility. If they fuck up, that still looks bad on me. It gives them a certain level of pride too. It does. Yeah. And that's like when the… At a one private gym, there was only three of us. It was just the owner, me as like the… Kind of like the operations person because that's where like I was able to see how operations work because he had me do all like billing and stuff. So that was pretty dope to do. He's like, yeah, when you open up your own gym, this is like how you would do it. Like, or how I do it. And it's like, you get a business card, you get this, you get this. So you can do all the spending on this card and then obviously pay it off. Like how you do what, like a regular card. So he really helped me out with that. And there was like another trainer too, that was kind of like our little prodigy guy. And um, giving him help. Giving him help. So letting him figure it out. Yeah. But then it was more so me helping both of them because I had my bachelor's degree versus they were just had their trainer certs. So I was being like the educator. And then us three, would we would literally go to like different courses, different seminars. And it was dope. And I was only getting charged 500 a month. Yeah. And I think along that, so you, you could have the own, like your own space and then you could create like a subset of certifications outside of that. So it's not like yeah. you're, you're not molding the trainers to be you, but you're creating opportunities for them to get educated on your training like methodologies. Yeah. I mean, and that's where it's like, it's for me, it's kind of hard to think that way. Cause if I just did it myself, I only have like one way of thinking versus if I like, for example, like if we did something here or us or he did something where we actually collaborated on how to build up a seminar for trainers, we have three heads, three different mindsets, but then it's also, we were able to provide something collectively versus if I just did it myself, then that's where it's tough because it's like, it's just my thought. And then each person can find themselves in one of us. Exactly. It's like, oh, I like, I like they all make sense, but I like kind of, I'm veering towards that thought process more. Yeah. Cause it's like, that's the same. It's, it's all arbitrary at the end of the day. Cause it's like, at the end of the day, like all of us are going to get, have our clients, whoever, like if it's a beginner, they're going to see progress no matter what program they're going to do because they're getting the newbie gains. Yeah. What about you, Austin? You more solopreneur? I'm trying to figure that out. Yeah. I think 
I think to grow the most, you have to have people underneath you and you have to delegate. And I, I do want to get to a point where I'm overseeing and not doing so much. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest thing for me. Like, I, I want to go through all this now so I know how to do things. And then I want to be the person that has the money and then invests. Yeah. I don't want to be working forever to be transparent. Like, mm-hmm. I want to get to a point where I have the funds. I see opportunities. I invest in the opportunities. I let them do their thing. I don't want to be super hands-on forever. Like I want to have, I want to be, I want to be able to wake up in a different country and like be doing my own thing, work on my computer, check, make sure everything's going well. If you need me, call me, check in with me. But I don't want to be in the environment every day. Yeah. I think that's like the hard thing too with like, with any industry we go in is there's always something that's already there. So it's like, how do we have something where it's kind of like I was telling you, like one of my buddies is trying to do a health coaching business. It's his model is literally like 20 different ones I've ever seen. So I'm like, how does yours, how does, how is yours different from anybody else's? And like, how are you going to do with marketing and all that? And I think where we could potentially, like Alex Hormozzi's business, gym launch. So they go into gyms, they teach the gyms how to operate and become successful. Mm -hmm. I think if we could create some form of template for trainers to where we go to trainers, teach them how to be successful trainers, sell them on training, and then that's the business. Yeah. It's like, we're just educating and then we let them go. They pay a fee to get the education and then we let them go. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that's where it's at. It's like getting… Because we have the experience. We have the integrity, the credibility to teach people things. Yeah, definitely. How about… Where are you at with that? Right now, it's so… I mean, solopreneur, but I foresee employees in the future. And I think just because I, I do have that… I want, I want to exhibit leadership. Just mm-hmm. because I've… Again, since it was my education, I thought I was going to do that in the athletic realm, and I still plan on doing that when I have kids. And I, you know, I want to, I want to coach ball again. So obviously, I'll get that there. But I think when it's your company, you got to you got to put up or shut up. Again, it's just assumed like, oh, I own the company, so I'm a leader. It's like, no, mm-hmm. yes, but it's not. I mean, you see these companies that create this insane culture where people want to go, and I want to see if I can create it. Yeah, because I believe I can, but mm-hmm. everybody believes they can, and then they get the job, and then. Yeah. Obviously, everybody talks shit and it's like, right. they didn't do a very good job. You know? I think that's where I really like when Gary Vee said that when you own your own business, you're an employee to your employees. You're you not are, just the… You're a servant. You're not the head honcho. Way. Exactly. And I think that's where, for example, like Zach has done such a great job where he like helps us out with like whatever. He's like constantly running in and being like, hey, like what do you need? What do you need? What do you need? And, and if we do have needs, it's taken care of. Yeah. I think that's why it sets a great example where like for me, like I want to do something similar. I agree. Where that's where like I want to be able to say, for example, when I own my own gym, it's going to be where it's like, hey, if the trainers have some issue with like, hey, like we need to get this equipment. Like, okay, like give me like two months, then I'll I'll purchase it. Give me like a realistic timeline too. Because that's where I think where I hated going in where I worked at gyms. It's like, hey, like if we get this, it'd be really dope. It's like, okay, cool. It's like, can we get this? It's like, okay, cool. It's like, no, like, realistically, like, when can we can, follow through this? Can we follow through with this or not? It goes back to that promising, promises things we talked about before. Yeah. It's like, okay, somebody brought something up. Can you fulfill that? If you can't, then make it clear. But yeah. Don't be like, okay, like, just yeah. brush it off. Like, okay, I, I want to make that happen because you care about it and other people care about it and it'll make the space better. Yeah. Like, and I, sorry, go, go ahead. No, go for it. I was just going to say, and if you need to finish your thought, go ahead. But I think this goes into delegation, whether or not you have employees. I mean, you could have people contracted, but. Mm-hmm. It's letting go of 
For example, it could be something as simple as a piece of equipment. Maybe you have a trainer under you one day that has a different vision for how their training process goes and they need that piece of equipment to make their dream happen, yeah. right? To make their whatever program happen to yeah. help individuals. And it's being able to let it go of like your vision of whatever space that was and be like, oh, no, this sure. is my, it was so pretty over in that wall. It's yeah, like, this is like, like let my them. baby, like I want to do it. And I'm not saying you have to, obviously there's a lot of other things that go into that, yeah. but I think that there is an important part of leadership within delegation and being able to let go and let other people's creativity take oh, the yeah. lead. I think it would be cool to see each of us in separate leadership positions with our own businesses underneath us. And like, yeah. you can see us all operating and all supporting each other and like picking each other's brain and being like, hey, how are you dealing with like so-and-so or like this environment or like the business side of things? And like, how can you make that better? And then we're all like, like, I don't know, what's the saying that Zach always says? Like the, with the tide. Um, oh, all both tries? Yeah. So like, I think there's, op- be- with Zach kind of leading the, the show here and like showing us that um, he can be successful and you can also be very caring of your employees and very caring of their dreams and goals too. Because if you care about people, they want to work more for you and they, they care about their efforts and how they look to you. And like, I've had bosses that were shit mm-hmm. and they did not care about you as a person. Like you were just, you know, like person in the scheme and it's like okay next next man up next yep. man up and it's like you don't feel accounted for or like you don't feel like you're valued and i think everybody feels valued here and like i want to make other people feel valued with me mm-hmm. in the same way and i want to build them up and be like you know what austin really helped me establish into a person better than i was before mm-hmm. i think if you can make that yeah. impact you can change a lot of people's lives and i think that's where like i've noticed that too where it makes me want to even though I don't have like a crazy high role, I'm just a trainer here. But it makes me want to have that same impact and value to show to everybody. It's like, yeah, like I started out as one of like the quote unquote like head trainers here, but I still didn't care about that. I want everybody else to grow too. Like, yeah, I'm doing well, but I want you to have the same shit. And I think it's, even if you're in a head position, you might not be the owner of the company or anything, but it's being willing to ask other people their opinions too. I think that's such a huge, like in other jobs, if people don't ask me, if I feel like I have a valued position and I don't get asked by whoever, whether it's someone just right over me or whether they're in charge of the whole company, I, I don't know. I it always It's always bugged me because I think like as a leader, no matter what level you're at, there's you can always learn from someone, especially if they're working hard and hustling in whatever yeah. way they are. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you don't know everything. So like oh. get get other yeah. people's takes. I think one of my favorite examples is the… Have you heard about the Hot Cheeto story? So basically how Hot Cheetos came about is like the owner of Cheetos was like taking a piss, I guess. And then the janitor brought up the idea of Hot Cheetos to him. And he was like, oh yeah, like let's make it happen. And now it's like Hot Cheetos is like one of the biggest fucking chips. Yeah, there's no pride there too much to be like, I can't take an idea from a janitor. Like this actually sounds like a good idea and I'm going to use it. Yeah. That was one of my favorite things at UC Davis when I was an intern there for the very short amount of time I was there. But it was like, I I remember we had these, I think I've told this story before, but we had like these topics that we had to discuss. I discussed mine and the head strength coach. I'm brand new there. I've been there for a couple months. And he's like, all right, go ahead and come up with a program. You're going to run it. Uh-huh. And it was like, because then it puts the, it's like, oh, now you got to, again, put up or shut up. Yeah. And so it, now it it elevates me to that new level and enables me to, you know, put my cards on the table and and be better. But it also makes the whole 
the whole organization better too if I if I can carry it out yeah. correctly. Putting right. people in positions that they may not be ready for and like letting them work through it and mm-hmm. feel through it. Almost like that flow zone. Yeah. Like that's the best way for people to learn. Just like throw them in. Yeah. Like, hey, I know, point, I know this might, well, I know, to, yeah, to a point, like, I know you might not be super confident in this yet, but I want you to put your best foot forward and, like, see if you can really present this and do yeah. well at it. I think if you're going to do that to someone, you have to, like, there's got to be a base. A base and, and almost, like, giving some confidence to them, like, hey, like, you're able to do you're this. Sure. You're, I'm going to push you a little you're bit, capable. Mm-hmm. but you're capable. Yeah. It's going to be okay. You're not going to die. Yeah. You know, we'll talk about it afterwards, whether you just totally yeah. suck at it or, right. you know, succeed. I think that's a good side topic of like being able to take constructive criticism. Because mm-hmm. even like to this day, like it's… I take it because it's like I want to get better. But it's something as simple as like one of my… I was out training my in-home client with him and his wife. And I was giving like her a cue and then giving him a cue. He's like, hey, do you want some quick feedback real quick? If you want to like tell me what to do, can you just say my name first? So that way I know it's me and did not… That, did that rub you the wrong way at all? No, not at all. Okay. I was like, oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got that. It's just like I think it's the way how people say it too it really helps. But I think that's where a lot of people have hard times taking criticism, no matter if it's like said like very harsh or whatever, like or harsh or nice. It's like you got to take it and just be like, how can I actually learn from this? And also, like these people are paying us. Mm-hmm. That's so I need to be open to your criticism. Yeah, because I want to structure this so it fits you. Yeah, I think we actually need to search it out. I think I'm terrible at this, but it's you need to get that the feedback from people in your group that are the most critical. So you can't just rely on like your mom every time you do something. It's like no. you need to go out and, and someone who's yeah. going to be like, dude, that freaking sucked. Even especially if it didn't suck, in like, like this part of it. Was, especially like within the field you're in that you want to succeed in, you have right. to get criticism from someone that's like so good. Yeah. Like my one of my clients, she owns like that Legree studio. She'll actually give like really constructive criticism, but sometimes a little too harsh. But they're like, I want you… She's like, I want you to do good. Like, I want to see, like, this business succeed just as much as you do. So, it's like, if you want to do well, like, take my criticism. Do you guys reach out to anyone on a regular basis? Yeah. No, and I think that's part of my downfall. Who, who do you… Do you have, um, like, a group or do you reach out to It's uh, one of my good friends. His name's Kevin Anderson. He's down in Arizona. He owns his, um, his own gym. Um, I'll give a very quick backstory. Um, he… Used to basically sell drugs and then out of nowhere went to, or not out of nowhere, but went to jail and then started up his own, his own gym, like right after having zero credibility, like zero money, just took a loan from somebody. And then now he's like one of the most successful trainers in Arizona. Just burn the boats. Literally burn the boats. But then, <laughs> but then that's where like with like, I go to advice for him because it's like, he tells me like, Hey, like you should go about this, like with this loan or like, if you want to have like, X amount of clientele, you got to do this. So I go to him like regularly. Like he even gives me advice about my, like, about my lip balm business. And he keeps tabs on me too. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, how's it going? How's it going? Like, he's like, why are you slacking? So. Yeah, I, I heard a quote the other day. I can't remember what it was about, but it was, it was kind of along those lines. Like you want to be surrounded by people that um, see your vision and then push it further. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instead of just like, oh yeah, that'd be cool. And yeah. just kind of leave it at that. Then you don't, you know that that's not a person you want to really feed those thoughts to. No, you want to feed your thoughts to the person that has feedback and like, mm-hmm. hey, how could we, like, wants to to tell you their thoughts and how you could make it better and make it succeed. Yeah, because that's what you value. You don't value somebody saying, oh yeah, great idea. I hate that. 
Dude, it's so annoying. <laughs> and it doesn't even have to… It, because it does one of two things when they give feedback. Not the person that says it's great. But if they give you feedback that you don't even necessarily agree with, it makes you explain your idea in more detail to where you have it more thought out. Yeah. For sure. So it's, yeah. it's a win-win. It is. It is. Yeah. Even if, yeah, even if you don't fully align with like their their viewpoints or their thought patterns, it's like, yeah, they're, at least they're thinking for you. Right. Because yeah. they want it to work. They're like, you could try this or like you could do that. My friend's very immature and then they gave me some like really bad like names to give. And I was like, I'm not naming this. I'm going to get canceled. <laughs> <laughs> or the person that's like ultra critical and doesn't see you succeeding. Yeah, like, that's again, another thing. we don't want to feed mm-hmm. any of our mm-hmm. our ideas to those people either. It's like, I'll, I'll cross paths with you, but don't expect me to open up about anything to yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. What, what do you think, going back to what you said, why do you think you struggle with reaching out to people? I, just, I think… I'm one of those people that just wants to figure it out. And like, I get so caught up in my own world. Mm-hmm. I don't want to burden people. I hate the feeling of burdening people. It's, yeah, that's it's, fair. It's like my least favorite thing. It's like, I want to know that I, I figured it out and I pushed through it and I got it done on my own. That being said, I know that for me to grow and to be better, I have to reach out to people and get advice and like apply it. Do you think that would also help with like, helping with a lot of your stress? A hundred percent. Yeah. I think pursuing a life coach in the same way that I want to be something in that lane, I need to I need to invest in one. Yeah. And somebody that's one-on-one. Like somebody yeah. that can do checks and balances with me maybe week by week or every two weeks. And it's mm-hmm. just like a consistent thing. Yeah. Do you think that goes back to the… What we talked about earlier. How you should randomly reach out to people uh, just to check on, in on them. Because you never… You, you don't want to burn the bridge and not necessarily that you're burning the bridge. But I'm that way and where I don't check in on people as yeah. much. And then when I do want to reach out, I do feel like I'm burdening them. Yeah. And I'm like, what if I would And I don't know what that what that is or what that stems from. Yeah. I, I think growing up, I was constantly criticized and made to feel stupid for asking questions. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's fair. So yeah. I think when I ask questions or I want to get advice from other people, I'm like, I feel like I should know it. Or yeah. I feel like a dumbass if I don't already know yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Because that's how I was brought up. Like yeah. just ultra critical. Yeah. That was my environment. Yeah. I was like, oh, why don't you… You don't know that? Yeah. Are you serious? You don't fucking know that? Yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> no, I'm eight. <laughs> yeah. That's how, that's how, like, I learned it from the hard way, kind of like a little funny story. Um, I learned it the hard way when I was in football and I never got this play down. And then my coach was like, you know, he was like, you know, Chan, like, you're pretty fucking dumb for an Asian. That, and that too, <laughs> football, I had some Jesus. shit coaches like yeah. that that were just, they would make you feel like a dumbass. Yeah. That, that will ruin your confidence yeah. or desire to want to ask more questions. Yeah. And that's where like he said like if you really don't know anything, just ask. And so like that I was like okay, like if I don't know anything, just ask it. Yeah. That's why I'll go up to you and like ask something or I'll go to you and I'll ask something. Just yeah. so, like I don't really care. Going back to leadership yeah. though, it's a two-way street cuz that always bugged the shit out of me because I did I took a long time to become the person that cuz it is when you ask it's basically like you're admitting failure, right? Yeah. So you, again, going back to what we talked about Last week, it's like you have to fail forward and just like pursue that until you don't know something, mess it up, then you learn, right? So you're pursuing learning by pursuing failing. Mm-hmm. But as a leader, you have to present yourself in a way that makes you accessible. And a lot of times, tones where you're criticizing like a player on the football field and oh, you're a dumbass for not knowing that play when the coach obviously came up with the playbook so they know it through and through. Yeah. That like as when I've gotten into ball and stuff, it's like, no, the coach is also the dumbass. Because you don't know how to coach in other ways than you know than yeah. you were taught. Yeah. You're not instilling it in these kids. Yeah. If 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 you were smart, they would know what the fuck is going on. Yeah. And they would feel confident in what they're doing. 
Exactly. Or they would feel comfortable coming to you right. knowing that you're not going to be like, dumbass. And yeah. like, oh, okay, what are you not understanding? Because we all want to get better, you know, yeah. together. So I think it's a two-way street. Even though you do have to be able to just take your ego out of it. Right. You don't know everything. Fail forward. But mm-hmm. as a leader, you have to know that a lot of people, not just kids, yeah. grown-ups too, are like that. And be like, hey, yeah. like you can come to me. I'm an open right. book. Because I found myself like my… One thing that my girlfriend has brought up is like my tones and how I talk to people. Same. And it comes from… Well, I don't know what it comes from exactly. But I it comes from like the coaching aspect. And you can't talk to everybody like a coach. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm really bad with that. I am yeah, too. I, I literally told Jen that one time. I felt so bad. It was like… Because she was studying for her like personal trainer certification. I was like, how do you not fucking get this? And she's like… I, this is my literally… Literal first time studying this. Fuck off. <laughs> I was like, oh shit. I need to dial it back. Okay. I'm sorry. Let's go over it. But yeah, like kind of going off of that. Like mm-hmm. I think that's where like tones of communication really play a factor. Because it's like… I've caught myself sometimes too with clients where it's like… Can maybe it's how I'm saying it. Yep. Or it's maybe how I'm cueing it. Yeah. Where it's too complicated. Right. So now let's dial back my cueing a bit. I think that's the most important thing. We should always look at ourselves first. Oh, I think yeah. if, if somebody's not getting something, I'm not going to get frustrated at them. I'm going to figure out why can I not communicate this effectively? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you're not getting it. Okay. So I need to dumb this down even more or like think outside. And those are the people that challenge me the most. The people that are just not athletic or adept or understand yeah. how to move their body effectively. Because mm-hmm. it makes me really think, and I need to present this better. And it like, I think of it more as a learning point for me than while wow, you're a dumbass. Like, yeah. You can't move effectively. Yeah. And ask. I mean, because this doesn't just go, you know, with coaching clients or football players. It's like, this could be the business aspect. Yeah. Because our brain, it's like we, we might not have it figured out. Or we might be thinking it at one angle when there's literally, you know, four more sides to the equation. It's kind of like what Jonathan was talking about in math. Yeah. I mean, if there's one thing I took from that, it's like, there's there's multiple ways to do things. Right. And yeah. you got to know all the different sides. And find the one that fits that person. Right. Exactly. I think that's like one thing. I forgot which trainer. Maybe… I forgot. Yeah. I forgot which trainer said this as an advice. Is for any cueing or anything of like delegating to something. Talk to that person as if you're talking to your mom. And so that's where like… With like, our, Ooh, like our moms always said like watch your tone. Like so I'm like okay like I'm not going to get hit with the fucking chunkla right now. So I'm going <laughs> to calm down. So like… <laughs> so that's where like with everybody… Like I try to say… Talk to them as if I'm talking to my mom. Yeah. And just kind of like ease the conversation. So that way like… If it might sound dumb like explaining this. But at least they got it. Yeah. Like right. least, for me like that's what matters. And also the reminder like this person is paying for my help. Yep. Yeah. I am not going to make them feel like an asshole. Like, mm-hmm. or they're just asking. It's they're, like, yeah, they're, you're asking. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make it work for you. Mm-hmm. Like, we're gonna find a way to make this work. For yeah. You. And if anything, we want our clients to ask questions. Mm-hmm. Need them to. Yeah. Because yeah. if they're not asking questions, engaged. like, exactly, they're not engaged and they don't care about the program at that point. That's how I see it. How often do you guys check in with your clients and like, hey, how do you think things are going? How do you feel about things? Or, do you need help with me on in specific areas? Where do you feel like you're lacking? I think that's been a really important thing for me. Mm-hmm. And I want them to tell me if I'm not fulfilling them in some way. Because there's times where like I'll get very busy. Some people fall to the wayside. Some yeah. people take more precedent. And it's like, I need to check in with everybody and making sure they're mm-hmm. feeling accounted for. And if they're not, please voice it. I will do better and make yeah. sure I pick up the slack on your end. 
I would say I do it weekly. And I think one thing that one of my good friends does is she does a survey every month at the end of the month of like how she'll send it to their clients of like how she's doing as a trainer. And if she's fulfilling the needs of what they want. I like that. Which like I would like to do that because it's like, okay, maybe I could check in with this person a little bit more. But maybe, I don't know. Like it's a question mark for me. Yeah. And so like I'll ask my client but then they'll like don't say anything. Yeah. So like I'm not getting the feedback right. that I want. And like I need you to be transparent with me so I can yeah. help you more. So I think maybe the survey like would be kind of good. Whether it's like any business too. I think surveys are really good because then it's like it could be anonymous. Or it could be like directly from the person. And it's like hey could you fill out the survey real quick just so I know yeah. like how I'm doing as your trainer. And that's how you prevent the drop-offs. Yeah. And like you create sustainability because you're you're meeting head on and they feel like they're valued because you're the one to bring it up. Not yeah. them. They didn't have to be like, yeah, it just didn't work out. They just weren't attentive. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I didn't get what I wanted out of it. Yeah. But like first like, two months in, like I can sense when I'm not giving somebody enough attention. Yeah. And then that's my entry to go, hey, I know I've been I've been busy and like you probably haven't gotten the attention you want. But just letting you know that I'm thinking of you and I'm going to take care of you. Yeah. I think that's for me too. Like I've had… Um, not to say mastered the skill. But like I've become aware of like if I'm giving a specific individual more attention or versus another. Or if I'm not giving to someone attention. And then I'll message them like, hey like I know I'm like not doing the greatest job of being attentive to you. But like just know like I'm here for you. So our next session like we'll just chat about whatever is going on in your life. Kind of like do like those routine checks and see how things are going from there. Just admitting faults. I mean, that's, that's another, another leadership yep. characteristic right mm-hmm. there. Is being able to admit when you're wrong. Yeah. So I think that's something you have to learn the hard way too. Yeah. I was very prideful and defensive early on in just in life yeah. as an athlete and then early in my career. Like because I grew up criticized, like I was always like, <sighs> Like, you have no right to criticize me. I'm the one in this position. Like, no. Yeah. But now it's like, I welcome it. I want it and I need it. And I need to, I need to show them that I'm open to it. Mm-hmm. Then they feel like they can trust me. Oh, for sure. And it eases a lot of people because maybe they are… And I'm not saying this just for clients. But I've found for me… If someone just acknowledges it, something that I've been thinking about. And, you know, you're getting pent up aggression going on and everything. And they just say it. It literally… Brings me right back to neutral. Because totally. they acknowledged it. And then it goes on as normal. So I think, yeah. again, as a coach, as a leader, if you just say, hey, like, like you guys are saying, have them attentive. Maybe they were thinking, like, where the, where the yeah. heck is my coach at? You know, yeah. and then you're like, hey, I haven't done it. Okay, ease them. Oh, they're aware. They're aware. Yeah. That that 100%. makes a huge difference. Huge difference. Mm-hmm. So. All right, guys. Well. Good. I've been going for a little while. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of Moderately Successful. Make sure you check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Get all our Insta handles. Give us a follow. We got some good content on there. Chris, what's your what's your handle? Chris J. Chan underscore. Awesome. Austin Rogers Fitness. And I'm all Maddie. See you guys next time on Moderately Successful. <laughs>